Thank you for joining us today. You are moments away from a sermon by Pastor Hank Wilson, presented by Thompson Presbyterian Church in Thompson, Georgia. We are an associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that seeks to glorify God, grow in Christ, and go in His Spirit. You can hear this sermon and many others this time every Sunday right here on WTHO 101.7 FM. You can also listen to sermons on our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. We will begin service in our multi-purpose building on our campus. Please come and join us and worship God with us in spirit and in truth, again at 11 a.m. If you are unable to attend or not yet comfortable in joining us, please feel free to watch the service live on our Thompson Presbyterian Church YouTube channel every Sunday at 11 a.m. I thank you for being with us today. Now let us turn our attention to the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by looking at his holy scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Glad that you're with us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's prepare our hearts for worship and hearing his word. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come before you and with joy in our heart, with laughter, that we can sing praises to you, that uh, we maybe learned words today by having to focus and uh, to work through the difficulties of technology. Yet even in its perfection, Lord, we know that our worship It brings honor and glory to you, and that you, even through Christ our high priest, receive that imperfect worship, and that you make it perfect, O Lord Jesus, and lay it at the feet of our Father. We thank you that even, that this represents life, that we can come before you even in our brokenness, our sinfulness, and that we can be lifted up and made whole by the blood of the Lamb, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for that opportunity today. We thank you that you do not um, care or worry that our worship is imperfect, that you forgive us, that your grace abounds even in our service today. We thank you, O Lord. Lord, we ask that you would be praised in all that was said and done today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to get real casual. I'm rolling up my sleeves. DJ, just don't look. It is hotter than blue blazes up here. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read together God's word. Again, Galatians 5, verses 16 through 24. Um, Normally we stand to show honor to God's word, but I'll just remain comfortable as I read to you these verses today. We're going to focus on Galatians 5, 22. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality... Purity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, that as we come before you, as we hear your word preached, 
as we listen to your Holy Spirit, we would ask that you, O Lord, would be with us. That you would help us in our attempt to crucify the flesh, its desires and its passions. That we may be led by the Holy Spirit in our thought, in our speech, in our prayer, in all that we do, even this morning and this next few moments. We ask, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be with us. Renew us, strengthen us. Build again faith in us. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who endures forever, who reigns forever, whose name lasts forever. It's in his most holy and precious name we pray. All these things and much more. To Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Now, many of you know that I have um, an eight-year-old and almost nine-year-old. And so most of my illustrations lately have been cartoonish. uh, And that's for a reason, because I don't think I've seen an adult movie in a very, very long time. Nor have I read a book outside of studying for class in a long, long time, other than those things that bring joy and delight to my daughter. And one of those movies, one of those things that uh, we've shared together and when we talk about joy and and sadness and and the emotions that we're speaking of here in this text is this movie called Inside Out. It's a little cartoon movie that really shows a young girl dealing with life and uh, there are cartoon characters of all of these uh, emotions that she has within her. And it's pretty humorous. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. There's you know, joy and sadness and fear and anger is my favorite. He's the little red guy with flames coming out, you know, of his head. And when he gets angry, everybody knows it, and uh, we can all understand and sympathize with it. What I like about this movie is the different characters. And there's one that really stands out to me, and that character's name is Sadness. Now, Joy is the hero of the whole story. Joy is the one that tries to make everybody happy. And then all the other emotions don't really matter, right? Like, so there's one scene where sadness is feeling sad. And so because sadness is feeling sad, that means the girl is feeling sad. And so she's crying all over the place. And so sadness then is inside her head, right? Or this little cartoon character, follow me. And And sadness is weeping. And so Joy runs up and says, oh, no, no, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. It's, it's, you're supposed to be happy. You know, we, let's, let's make her joyful. And so Joy says, I know what, let's think of something funny. And so, of course, sadness in her melancholy, drawn-out, low voice says, well, how about the time that the dog died? And Joy says, no, 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 you don't get it. Let's, let's think of something else. Think of something happy, joyful so that she will stop crying. And so she says, well, how about rain? Joy says, yes, 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 rain. Rain is good. You can go out, you can can play in it, you can splash in the puddles, it's nice and refreshing. And sadness, of course, says, no, 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 it's cold, and you get soggy. And rain just really is, it's kind of depressing. And as I saw that, and I think about that, I think about the Christian How often do we get wrapped up in this sadness, even as Christians? How often do we look at the world around us? I mean, it doesn't take us long, right? You look at the news, you look at Facebook, you look at social media, you walk outside your door, and you think, oh, I'm, I'm discouraged and saddened by what I see in the world today. 
And for a time, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But like this movie, what wins out at the end of the day is joy. Joy in those other emotions is what joy finds out. Spoiler alert. Most of you probably aren't going to watch the movie, so it doesn't matter. But joy triumphs over all the other emotions. And I think there's something for us as Christians today so that we don't get wrapped up in the sadness of the world and the anger of the world and the fear of the world and we listen to the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. Rather, I'm afraid many of us are walking around like sadness. (sighs) When's Jesus coming back? What's coming next? I mean, I've seen it. I've heard it from Christians. Very faithful, God-fearing Christians. Oh, what's next? A tornado. Earthquakes. Flying monkeys. Whatever it is, right? What what could be next for 2020 for, for the world? And we end up expressing ourselves much like the world. Rather than being joyful, even in our affliction, even in our suffering, even in our pain, and sorrow. The Christian, if led by the Spirit, is filled with joy. I bring this up because I'm, a, I'm afraid that some of us are falling prey to the sin of being like the world and not being a joyful Christian. So I want to look at three things today. And yes, it happens to coincide with the three letters of the word that we're looking at. How about that? I don't always try to get cutesy, but this one just happened to work. So Maybe it'll help you uh, as it helped me to remember these things. The first one is J in joy, right? What would we think that J would stand for other than Jesus? That makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus. Jesus is our reason for being joyful. He's the reason that we even have joy. We talked about this when we talked about love. The Holy Spirit giving, pouring out God's Spirit, God's love onto His people. Well, that same Spirit produces in us joy. We don't produce it ourselves. As a matter of fact, that's what the world is struggling with right now. That's what our society is struggling with right now. That's the reason that we have these peaceful protests going to riots. You see, they're looking for something. Something that we have the answer for. You know, their, their J isn't Jesus. Have you noticed that? Do you know what the buzzword for, for their J today is? Justice, exactly. They want justice. The Christian knows there is no justice on this earth outside of Jesus Christ. If they truly got what they wanted, justice, they would realize they're condemned to hell. And they need Jesus. Careful what we wish for. But we know that the answer is, and joy is produced, our source and the reason for joy is in Jesus Christ. Well, you say, okay, great, preacher, I got it. What does that even mean? Well, Jesus actually gives us what he means. In John 15, he says, These things I have spoken to you, all the things that he talks about to his apostles, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The joy comes from Jesus Christ. And this is more than just a spiritual abnormality or something that we just claim or we we think about and we say, okay, Jesus makes me joyful, therefore I'm just going to be joyful. Well, if you're not joyful, then that just doesn't work, does it? 
What is it about Jesus then that makes us a joyful Christian? Well, I propose to you that what makes us joyful is that we understand who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf. It's really Jesus reminding us of our salvation. It's looking at the work of Jesus Christ and knowing that he didn't give us justice, that he gave us salvation, that he died on the cross for our sin. He died in my stead. So it's more than just looking at a man and saying, oh, I feel good about looking at this man. That's not what this is. It's looking at the work of Jesus Christ. It's looking at him being our prophet, priest, and king and how he has accomplished the things that he has accomplished for our benefit. And rather than being so overwhelmed by all of the works of Jesus, why don't we just simply look at what he has done for our salvation? One of the ways we can do this, a very simple way to do this, is look at our conversion. Look at when you became a Christian. Now, for some of us, it may be not an instantaneous. Uh, it may be something that's, if you're a covenant child like myself, over time, you're, you're not really sure that there was a significant moment when you were not a Christian and a Christian. I think there's a moment, but I'm not sure because I grew up in the church. Whatever. The point is that if we reflect upon the work of Jesus Christ in our life, the end result is joy. You can't help but be joyful. The Holy Spirit comes and gives you that joy because you are reminded of the work of Jesus Christ in giving you, through God's grace, salvation. Let me give you an illustration here. And this one's going to be edgy, so I'll warn you. Not that edgy. Some of you can go back to sleep. There is a man by the name of Brian Head Welch. Some of you may know this man. Some of you may not. He is and was the lead guitarist of the band called Korn. Now, spelled with a K, I will say this. I'm not advocating for you to go download or listen to Korn. That is not the point of what I'm about to tell you. It's not edifying. It's not redeemable in a lot of ways, and um, some of you would have to um, wash your mouth out with soap just for listening to it. So the point is not about the band. The point is about the guitarist. See, this man started with a bunch of other guys, this band, and, and started producing music and became very popular and selling a lot of albums and records and CDs and whatever they are, downloads now, I guess. And so by doing this, he inherited a lot of money, or he, he earned a lot of money. And he got, early on in this career, he got wrapped up in meth. And so very early on, he was playing music, very talented at what he did, was able to sell um, his music, but he was looking for something. And he was seeking something in other things, such as meth, drugs, alcohol, women, whatever it was. Then fast forward a little bit, he meets his wife, he has a child, and he becomes even more of an addict. And this man, at one point in his life, realized this was not healthy. He never wanted to be an addict, most addicts don't. He never wanted to be in this position, and he had a daughter now that he wanted to, to teach and train and, and raise up. 
rightly. And so he says, I need help. And so what he does is he goes to uh, a rehab clinic and he says, I need help. I'm an addict, addicted to meth, and I need help. Do you know what they told him? We can't really help you. Based off of what you're addicted to, our success rate is almost zero. Most meth addicts don't really recover. But we'll be glad to take your money and help you if we can. And it was at that point he began to wonder, is there any hope at all? He had suicidal thoughts. He had lost all hope. He was at a very low place. He even admits at one point in his story that his idol was money. He had all this money, he didn't know what to do with it, so what did he do? He takes it and he starts investing it. He gets a general contractor and some buddies of his and they, they start putting out um, the money, goes out to building houses and start flipping houses and turning a profit because he needed more money. He needed more meth. Well, these men that he was working with, they actually invited him to church one day. And he went to church, begrudgingly, and not knowing what he said in his interview. He says, you know, he thinks of as a Christian is a, a Ned Flanders character from The Simpsons. Really well, goody two-shoes, you know, kind of pious individual. But he went. And you know what happened? He heard the gospel. We know what happens when the gospel is preached faithfully and the Holy Spirit's at work, right? Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. And so he became a Christian. Here is this man who saw no hope that was converted by Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the works of Christ, redeeming what some of us would call an unredeemable individual. And you know, today, Brian Head Welch is involved in outreach and ministry and sharing the gospel in many facets and ways. He's a Christian. And he went from having this life of sadness, seeking joy in things that weren't there, and having found it in none other than Jesus Christ. He's no longer an addict. The relationship between he and his daughter are better than ever. You know, I read somewhere that we as Christians don't even believe necessarily that we don't believe that God can use the gospel to even reverse addictions. And we don't believe the gospel is powerful enough. Another way of looking at that is we don't believe that Jesus is powerful enough to come into somebody's life and totally transform them so that they no longer desire those things. But you see what happens when Jesus comes in is our joy is no longer in those other things. Our joy is in Jesus Christ in whom we now have our faith and our hope. And you know what? If you want to start being a joyful Christian, the best place to start, in my humble opinion, is with Jesus and looking at what he has done for you and saving you from yourself. That's our source of joy. Now, there is an O. And this one is going to be others. Others are participants 
of our joy. God uses other people. This is the significance of having fellowship in church, of being a part of a local body in which we can come together and let God use others to make us joyful, to produce joy in us. Not that they are themselves the source, that's Jesus, we've already determined that, but they are the participants. God uses other people. Let's go ahead and admit it. Never met somebody that's old and crotchety and just so mad and angry at the world? You know why they are that way? Most likely, it's because they don't have Jesus, number one. Number two, it's, it's also because they've isolated themselves from other people. They've been by themselves so long. They don't even like themselves. But here, other people. God may use other people to bring us joy in our life. The apostles, if you read Scripture at all, they often rejoiced in the people of God. The third epistle of John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. It brought him joy. Joy in seeing what God was doing in their life. And on into 2 Corinthians 7, 13. Therefore, we are comforted, he says. Besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Here's Paul saying, and Paul says it in multiple epistles, multiple times, doesn't he? I rejoice in you. You bring me joy. I'm glad because of what God is doing in your life. And I am therefore joyful. It isn't as, Paul, as if Paul is saying, I'm joyful because you know, you're proving that I'm, I know what I'm doing and that all my words are right. No, no, he's rejoicing because they are looking at their salvation. They are looking to Jesus and they are being faithful in whatever he is charging them with or encouraging them in. So Paul is encouraged by others and made joy made joyful by others. 2 Corinthians 2, 3, we also see, and I write as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice, for I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of all of you. And Paul is made joyful because of those around him. And isolation is not the way that God has chosen to bring joy in our life. Being a recluse is not a helpful thing. No, what is helpful is other Christians. God using other Christians, and sometimes non-Christians, to bring us joy. Not in a, an America's Funniest Video way, laughing at those that are falling off the snowboard way, but true joy in which we are encouraged and made happy by those individuals. There's a an event that happened last week. Most of you were already gone. It was right here at church. Uh, and it, it was, in my opinion, very cute. And I will share that story with you now. As everybody was pretty much departed and, and we were cleaning up, Grace and Zoe and Elsbeth were running around the church. And I was not really paying them attention. I went that way and said goodbye to some people of the church, and I was coming back this way. Well, if you can look over there and see those that are here. Um, 
you can look and see that if you go up the ramp, there's that brick wall. Well, Grace and Zoe went to the edge of the brick wall. Elspeth was coming up the stairs. They were playing, but Elspeth didn't know where they were. And so as I'm coming this way, Elspeth says to me, Dad, where are the girls? I said, I don't know. Playing along, right? So I go around, and Elspeth passes me, and she goes to the edge. Well, the girls have snuck around the edge of the wall, and they're waiting patiently for Elspeth to come around the corner. And when Elspeth come, comes around the corner, Grace and Zoe say, Boo! And Elspeth screams, and Grace screams, and Zoe says, Ha! The loudest belly laugh I've ever heard from a little toddler. And I thought to myself, that's pure joy brought to her by others. And of course, Elspeth laughed, and Grace laughed, and everyone laughed. And that's just a small example, and maybe not a perfect example, of how God uses other people to bring us joy and happiness. Those who Jesus has also saved and is working on in their life. Other people can be participants in our joy. The last one is the why. You, you are the instrument of joy. Now this is fairly obvious. At least I think it's obvious, and I hope that you see it as well. That if you are not a an instrument of joy, in other words, taking the joy of your own salvation and encouraged and lifted up by others and, and doing something with that, then how does anyone know that you're joyful? If you're not singing with joy in your heart, if you're not hearing the Word of God with joy in your heart, two things are missing. Two things don't happen, actually. One, God is not glorified. And you are left miserable. See, the whole purpose of joy, having the fruit of the Spirit of joy in our heart, is so that God may receive the glory. When we are joyful, when we rejoice, you know how many times, I don't have the stats, I didn't do my word study on this one, but have you ever read Scripture and you realize, rejoice, 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 it's all over the place. Why do you think that is? There's an expectation that God has of His creation, and that is joy. Producing joy, being instruments of joy. We need to be happy Christians, joyful Christians. Paul rejoiced even in his suffering. Philippians 2.17 Sometimes we think that, well, I can't be a joyful Christian because do you know all the things going on in my life right now? Pastor, if you understood what's happening, you would know why I'm sad and I find no joy. But throughout Scripture, don't we see sadness ending in joy? When Jesus Christ is involved, when God is involved, read the Psalms sometime. In the midst of suffering and pain, the only solace that the the writer has is in God the Father and the producer, the source of this joy. Paul says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. 
Even in death, we can rejoice. You see how quickly your mind has to go back to your salvation through Jesus Christ? Without that, you can't rejoice. Death is just death. Pain is pain. But in light of the gospel, in light of what Christ has done for us, it's different. We have a different perspective. As a matter of fact, we have a different perspective in work, in our toil, don't we? Christians are to be joyful workers. Joyful servants. If you've not read Ecclesiastes, you should. And maybe in the fall we'll start a Bible study on Ecclesiastes because it's one of my favorite books and I think we should do that. I've just made it so. And it's being recorded so it will happen. (laughs) King Solomon wrestles with trying to find something, right? The meaning of life. What brings joy? No different than a lot of people. And sometimes you read Ecclesiastes and you think, man, this is a doom and gloom. This is one of those sadness books. And, you know, there's no hope. Or, or it's all, life is a vapor and all those things. But there's one portion in here. Solomon's really good about putting these little things in there. It just hook you. In chapter 3, verse 9 through 15. Turn, turn over in your Bibles if you want to. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's on the screen if you can read it. It's pretty small. But he talks about this work, this toiling, and what what creatures are doing on this earth, right? What gain, he says, verse 9, has the worker from his toil? I have seen the uh, busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them uh, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. See, a lot of people read Ecclesiastes and think King Solomon is ending with, well, there's nothing, there's nothing beyond this. There's nothing uh, you know, very important. So just eat, drink, and be merry. And that's not what he's saying. It's not at all what he's saying. What he's saying is what you have in your life right now is what God, the sovereign Lord of the universe, has ordained in your life. He has said, you are going to go through whatever it is you're going through. And if that's that's your job, if that's the task at hand, if that's the circumstances of life, God has ordained that for you. And King Solomon says, if we recognize that, if our perspective is that God is in control and He has ordained this, what do I have to do other than to enjoy it? I should do it with joy. Be joyful in your toil. Look at that. I perceive that there's nothing better for them to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Not that this is the end. No, but while we're here, if God is in control, and we believe that He is, then let us be faithful and be joyful, even in our work, even in the circumstances at hand. Christians, we have a problem. Some of us look just like the world. We're sad. We've forgotten joy. We've forgotten our hope. But you see, at the end of the day, we've lost our focus. We've lost our perspective. Psalm 16, 8 through 11, as we close out. I want you to see what the psalmist says to do. 
He says in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Let's stop there for a second. He doesn't say, look deep down inside yourself and, and you will be joyful. He doesn't say, go out and find this or that and you'll be joyful. What does he start with? Put the Lord always before me. Brothers and sisters, put Jesus Christ always before you. And you will start to be a joyful Christian. He says, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. See his perspective there? Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's the psalmist saying? I have set my mind on Jesus Christ. I have set my mind on the Lord. And by doing that, I am reminded of all that He has done and is doing for me and will do. See, here's where we get messed up. We begin to believe like the world. Oh, there's no justice today. Oh, there never will be unless I do something about it. But as Christians, we know, no, there's no justice. And there won't be until Christ returns. There won't be until all my salvation is complete. You see the difference in perspective? We cannot believe and think like the world. Rather, we should put Christ before us in all things. The producer of our joy. Start simply this week. Spend more time than once thinking on your salvation. Spend more than two times thinking about your salvation. Make it a habit to put Jesus before you. When you do that, I think you'll see the end result is joy, not only in your heart, but joy all around. And God will be glorified forevermore. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. We thank you, O Lord, that you have not abandoned us. We thank you that you have given us your spirit, that we may have joy in our own hearts, that we may turn to Jesus Christ in faith and be encouraged and be strengthened. Lord, keep us from the sins of the world, from the sins of our own heart, that, Lord, make us a joyful people. That we may sing forever and ever your glory and your praise in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, the first week in July, we will have communion. That's the session's decision this week. So, again, two weeks. That's two weeks. So prepare your hearts and your minds for communing with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. We'll start that back up the first Sunday in July. All right, receive the benediction and let us be dismissed with God's blessing. Now the God who has loved you with an everlasting love and has brought you into the bonds of an everlasting covenant, may he support you all the days with everlasting arms until the day when he places everlasting joy upon your heads. Amen. Thank you for listening today. 
If you would like to support the ministry of Thompson Presbyterian Church and the spread of God's word, we would ask that you consider two things. First, consider praying with us. Pray that God would use his word to impact the lives of his people and to draw the lost to himself. As he says in Isaiah 55:11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Secondly, we would ask that you consider giving financially. You can support this and other ministries by giving through our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Just go to the giving page and follow the instructions. You can also give through the Faith Life app on your smartphones. Simply go download the Faith Life app and sign up. Another way to give is to simply text GIVE and the amount to 706-250-6834. Again, that is 706-250-6834. Lastly, you can simply mail in your, your support to Thompson Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 398, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. I would like to invite you to come and join us for worship on Sunday at 11 a.m. We are located at 607 Jackson Street in Thompson, Georgia. Feel free to check out our website at thompsonpresbyterian.org for all ministries and event details. You can also call us at 706-309-0213 or email us at churchoffice at thompsonpresbyterian.org. Thank you for listening today. Now receive God's blessing. And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, may he support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Amen.